can't, that? Yeah, you can't do that laugh. People know instantly. <laughs> <laughs> I know who it is. All right, welcome to Scratchcast. Craig, how you hey, doing, bud? I'm good, man. Good, you? glad you're here. Thank I'm you. good, too. I'm good, too. Freshly showered. Beer in hand tonight. Nice. Beverage is Goose IPA for you, the standard 805. 805? You don't uh, veer from that course much, do you? Uh, I do a little bit, but downward. Coors originally. Yeah, I saw you with the, the Coors. Yeah. I remember that. Yeah, I saw be. you with the Coors in hand. Well, it's a very special show today. I have to tell you that I am extremely happy. <laughs> wow, that, that, that pause, though, was just like, I felt like, oh my God, who is it? Who's here? Well, I knew he was going to blow my intro. <laughs> I knew it. Of course. He's flamboyant. Yeah. He's energetic. He's super social. Perhaps hypersocial. Yes. Dreamy. Extravagant, dreamy. Oh, I'll take all of them. Fun. That. And one hell of a drummer. Okay. Perhaps my favorite drummer of oh, all time. Oh, no. Welcome, Jimmy DeAnda, to the Scratchcast. Why, thank you. Thank you, thank you. Both of you guys, you're looking very sexy with your brewskis, brewskis. Ooh, thank tell you. me more. Oh, yeah, stop <laughs> it. Oh, no. So are you playing at the Ultimate Jam tonight? I am playing tonight. Yes. Right on. Who are you playing with, you know? I have no clue. I know we're supposed to do it, and Lonnie couldn't make it out. Well, huh? Lonnie, he, I think we're shooting for the following week. I think. Yeah. 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 Well, that'll be fun. Are you guys gonna play? Yeah, I think so. Uh, yeah, some yeah. old. Uh, we're gonna just make some noise. Tunes, right? Make some noise. And nice. Maybe throw in a surprise. Who knows? Yeah. But yeah, I'm playing tonight. It's just uh, it's '90s night, so they're playing nothing but tunes from the '90s. Stained. Well, I asked to play Nirvana, like the real deep Nirvana, and they were like, "Nobody really knows that." So yeah, right. I was like, yeah. "Okay." But, deep uh, cuts. Yeah, I really I want to do like like you know. They want to keep it more poppy '90s. Yeah, nice. yeah, yeah. yeah. Which of is course. all good. I, I totally get it. I understand. Well, that. yeah, most of the people go there. Well, right. Yeah, they want to hear Everclear, and they want to hear you know which bands I know that you like, Mick. I know uh, you were into uh, it was not Marcy Playground. What was the band with a song about somebody's mom? Oh boy, I don't know. Fountains of Wayne. I like Fountains of Wayne. Yes, you did. And I somebody I heard like a mixtape of all that stuff. Like I think there were a bunch of bands like Nickelback and, and aren't there like a clump of bands yeah. that yeah. all sort of like puddle yeah. of mud and yeah. they all kind of do those pop songs yeah. with the yeah. same kind of affected But I will say approach. this. I, I one year I I was uh, doing stage stuff you know looking for work wherever I could and I did the 100 year anniversary for Harley Davidson, out in um, I think it's Ontario Speedway, and it was a you know just a, I can curse right I don't know why I asked that it sounds so silly if you really want to offend my sensibilities yeah uh, it was a shit ton of bands and uh, one of the bands was Nickelback and I could not believe the guitar tone those guys had was fucking crushing yeah I bet. L- literally I, I i mean it was like the, the the tone that we liked it was all natural it wasn't processed there mm-hmm. wasn't a bunch of you know right you know confusion it was string tone and it had that 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 mid that low end mid that i like in guitars you know every now and again i hear guitar too stringy yeah they just had that clarity and it was just i couldn't believe they do it's it. funny you said that uh I think it was yesterday. I saw a clip of Nickelback doing a cover of Metallica song. Mm. It was amazing. They had that tone, that right. real deep. It was cutting, but not a piercing cut. Right. It was just solid. Yeah, 
It's, it's just so weird because I know that, like, that was a time period for me at least that I didn't think a lot of bands cared about tones. That was that that period. You know, I'm not trying to talk shit about '90s bands, but I just remember right. it, it was. I mean, for like. For us, you know, growing up in the 70s and listening to bands from that era, I mean, it was all about tone. I mean, of course, songwriting was 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 the number one. But, I mean, you could listen to guitars and go, oh, I, that's Joe Perry. Yeah. Oh, that's Billy Gibbons. Yeah. Oh, that's, you know, you knew, you know, because these guys put all that time and energy and, into it. And it wasn't Kurt Cobain's first priority. No, not know? at all. No. And, I mean, you, you, know, could, but, you could say the good tone almost ended with Jerry Cantrell because well, he did have good it, tone. And, and uh, you know what was interesting? Because I remember him saying he didn't care about that because he yeah. bought like $100 guitars. Right. And just like that was, it didn't matter because it was about right. the songs. Oh, and there's, that's perfectly, yeah, and for, perfectly for, for cool. Him, yeah, absolutely. It worked. And same with the Beastie Boys. They use like $80 guitars. Did know? Slayer play, that guy from Slayer, did he play that solo in that one song? On the Beastie Boys, yeah. On, on uh, No Sleep Until Brooklyn. Did he like, Purposely kind of muck it up. That's it. That that that's his. It's thing. like a joke solo. No, it's not a joke solo. It's just how he he threw down. It was chaotic and frenzyish. But yeah, that was it. Airman plugged the. I loved it. There, there's like a Kermit. You know, he does like an East really like, do 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 do, and it's like yeah. No man, where's all that nasty? Hey, he was a nice guy, or he is a nice guy. Oh yeah, I'm not saying he isn't. Like the Bull Boys, but um. Because they were all produced by Rick Rubin. That's how they had that connection. So he brought them in for that. Right. Yeah. Well, thanks to you, I've, I ordered a bunch of Slayer CDs. I oh, have man. almost all of them now. Oh, God, I swear. But I still have to get... Uh, I have, what's before Rain and Blood? Uh, that would be, uh, I want to say, Haunting the Chapel, I think. Oh, wait. Maybe Rain and Blood is the one I want. Rain and Blood it came out like an 80... Wasn't there another like, one? Like, oh, Something with Hell? Oh, Hello Waits. I'm sorry. Hello right. Yes, that That's is right. right. That, that is 84 Hello Waits. That's right. Is that good? You know what? It's really, I mean, <laughs> and saying this is funny, it's really dark. You know, <laughs> yeah. I, I, oh, no. Yeah. Well, I just, cause I, I, I felt like, you know, a little tainted after I was no longer like like as innocent as I was before I listened kind to that. Kind of like how I felt when I went to their show and everything oh, was really? red and there was oh, a yeah. sea of these evil people and I was just, yes. oh. I'm, just I'm just a nice guy. <laughs> well, I remember seeing them and Suicidal Tendencies opened up for them and uh, some of their fans used to... Um, sew razor blades into their jackets oh, like, facing out. Yeah. So when they would, you know, get in the pit and skank, you would get and you'd be like, hey, just I'm little, bleeding. What the hell? What, what the hell? I, yeah. was not, I was good when I came here. Wow. <laughs> but yeah, that's uh, my experience with that was, was awesome. Wow. But yeah, Slayer was one of those guys, one of those bands I remember hearing them for the first time and just being like, wow, what, what? is going on here? Yeah, like that's... The, oh, I love them. Yeah. yeah, I love Slayer. Yeah. yeah. And you turned me on to them and then I heard someone else played me some stuff and I said the same thing. I'm like... Wow, that's a little over my head or something. I'm not getting something here. Yeah. But, you know, since I got that one record and yeah. started listening to it, I'm like, wow. Yeah, there's some really fun. good. You know, because they still had groove in their music. You know, yeah. once they broke down halftime, it was still like, holy hell. It's like, wow. That drum, that backbeat. Oh, dude. Dave Lombardo is still, to me, he's the quintessential speed metal drummer. There's nobody better than that guy yeah like, i agree with that yeah he's just, he was fun to listen to yeah and, and very i mean none of his he could do like four or six fills in a row and none of them would be right similar exactly and you wouldn't go i just heard that yeah no exactly. it was a fresh new take on it right yeah and that's not easy to do you know are you kidding me why do you think i was so silent for all those bullet point records i was like <laughs> i ain't got anything good for this i'm gonna just play right through it <laughs> i'll just be straight and be over here in the corner <laughs> i'll ringle star this mother effer i just wish there was a way they could pull tom's bass out and make it sound a little fuller you know that's the only thing that i i never liked about those records there's just there's like frequencies missing that could well, 
I think that out, was a right? th- that that was a, a thought out process because they didn't want any conflicting tones to uh, to affect those guitars, drums and guitars. And yeah, because that, that was really what was happening. Yeah. But on the later records, like Diabolique, and I, think, I can't think of what's after that, uh, the bass actually gets really prominent. It definitely gets a lot more mid because that's what they, they scooped all those mids mm. out, and so it's just all you hear was a low and a little bit of a little bit of chomping at the top, so you yeah. knew it was there. Yeah. But uh, they added those low mids and those high mids later on. Nothing which, like Tool. Or... Exactly. Yeah. All right. Well, let's talk about you. Okay. I was born a. Bl- oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> we can go back that far. No, In no, fact, no, no, no. I, nobody I, wants me to go back that far. Okay, how well, far? We don't have to, but yeah. you know that's kind of what this is about. I I heard you know your podcast that you did, and it was. It, I don't want to go there. I want to be visceral. I want to be. You know, I want to start out in this place and end up over here and and stream of consciousness. But I also, I don't want it to be technical. I don't want to. I don't want to talk about your drums. I want to talk about the mind behind those drums. Okay. Uh, specifically, I mean, that's the kind of a, that's a wide range of information. <laughs> exactly. You want to have anything you want to ask me, or do you want me to uh, uh, just kind of babble? For There's a all kinds of stuff. So, oh, no. so tell me about your tell me about the songs you listened to at your youngest age. What do you remember? First? You know, I, I remember uh, listening to Slime the Family Stone early on probably in the in the early 70s and just feeling a sense of um adulation and just feeling excited and happy and and this music was was making my feelings change right made you happy too exactly you know and i think later on in life i realized that's what music is about when it's done right it has a physiological effect on you You know whether you want it to or not it can make you fucking sit in your car pissing and moaning about something and then hear you know a song go holy shit i haven't heard this in years and change your whole demeanor same with me Mm -hmm. exactly cyclone was also a big influence by me larry graham of course as a bassist but if you want me to stay you know just in the history of it, was in that band. Uh, Larry, I, Larry I never knew the band guys. Larry Graham. Oh yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And, and Diarco's the drummer, Greg. But um, but Larry Graham is, you know, if you know this, he's noted as as being the, the first guy right. to ever do the thumb. Yeah, yeah the thumb thing. Um, Slap and pop. Uh-huh. Yeah. I can. And you know, have you ever seen the video of him that talks about yeah. that? Yeah, because he was in church, and then he uh, they were he was the, the guy that he played bass in church, mm-hmm. and the drummer fell out, and they needed someone to keep that percussive edge to it. Okay, and that's how he and that's he how he kept the and that gave us our our drummer essentially, right? Which is that's just brilliant to think about that. But Sly was early on, of course. I think like you and a lot of other people, the first time you put a Beatles record on. You know, I remember I was probably in the third grade and uh, I was in love with this girl. Sorry, honey. This girl, Lucy Lomelli. And she, uh, and I remember, oh, she's just beautiful. And she was sitting there. And I remember. <laughs> and you're, how old did you say you Third were? grade. Third grade, okay. Third grade. And I remember going and putting on I Want to Hold Your Hand from the Beatles as a little, you know, yeah, message yeah, to her. things up, yeah. Right? And then, yeah, exactly. So I went and put it on and I sat kind of like close to her in proximity and I smiled at her and she never, you know. So wait a minute, this was in class? In class. You put on a record in class. Yeah, we were allowed to have a little bit of, a, oh, okay. we could play records. So and, that was a song you chose yes. to impress the girl. Yeah, sitting to next. let her know that I cared about her. Nice. Yeah. Aww. Yeah, of course you started young, you <laughs> but it went over her head. I mean, I kept smiling yeah. at her, and she was like, "What is he smiling at? What's, <laughs> what's wrong with this guy?" But uh, but the Beatles, that was a big one, and then you know bands like you know 
I always forget, like, until I go back into my own record collection and, and realize, like, bands like Chicago and Blood, Sweat and Tears, they were the soundtrack for a lot of those years. And I and I forgot about that until we got older. And you will know, remember this because when Bullet Boys would go to in-stores, at the end of the in-store, they'd close the doors and say, okay, you guys, go out and get, you know, yeah. 10 CDs a piece. Right. Mm-hmm. And I remember that's like in the late 80s, that was when I was reintroduced to Blood, Sweat and Tears and to Chicago, you know, and Three Dog Night. And I was like, I remember this stuff. Mm-hmm. And then, you know, then you realize that's the music that I think for me personally, that if I had the ability to write, I, I wish I could write more. So you like have that. a soul funk type. Yeah, definitely. That, 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 you, that, that was more of where it, and of course, you know, being a, a, a Hispanic a background, you know, Carlos Santana was mm-hmm. in every household on the block. Right. So it didn't matter. You could go to any friend's house and, and somebody was playing some Santana. And the common denominator, of course, are those complex rhythms exactly and right. rhythmic, yeah. Yeah. you know, yeah, and I really believe that that that's probably when I took up drums because I'd only been playing drums for about six months and I became what was affectionately known as lead chair. But the reason and, and I failed at that because I was uh, I did so well because I didn't I didn't, couldn't read it. But if you played it exactly, I could play it exactly. So if you went before me, then I would look at you and look at your hands and the stops and the pauses, and I can memorize it right then and then play it right there, right after you. And then I'd go, oh, you're great. You're so when they made me lead chair, this chair is yours. I was, the, I was the first guy up, and I was like, and then they put the sheet music exactly. In front of you. That's yeah, exactly right. what happened, and I was like, uh, how do you make a guitar player turn down? Right? right. Is that what they do? They put Give music in front of them. Yeah. <laughs> I like that one, but um, I ended up. Uh, uh, so those that style of music and those things really were were the big component in my style later on. But you know, the first time a ten year old kid, nineteen seventy six, seventy seven, sees fucking Gene Simmons, yeah, yeah. you just it's just like like all like the cartoons I like, you know, the Marvel and all the Batman and all that shit. It just became a musician. You know, and that was really that's something that, that affected me like in such a deep way that and and I tell this story every now and again. I used to get dressed up like Gene Simmons and it wasn't Halloween and it wasn't the weekend party. I would be Tuesday, like in February and then go to school as Mm -hmm. Gene Simmons. And then I would be Gene Simmons. And then, so the teacher would call my mom and say, Miss Danda, your son is doing Gene Simmons again. Can you you please come get him? And then, and I remember she'd come in and I would be like in Gene, I'd be Gene. Yeah, the Gene makeup on. She doesn't know it's me, I'm Gene, you know? (laughs) And then she would look at me and just go, get in the car, you know? And so I had this, you know, uh, this this unbalanced love with things of this nature. So I I obsessed on it, you know? And I think that's also what contributed to me being the drummer that I was because I remember I used to have, my drum set was in my bedroom and literally two in the morning, like this symbol right here, because I used to love like, Tommy Lee and the handful of drummers put their symbols like this. I think Carmine might have done I always love that. Just flash. It's just flat, like, straight, even across yeah. the yeah. So I would literally be in my bed one in the morning and the, uh, like the street light would finally shine through in that one area of the room and I would notice the symbol was not flat completely. And in half asleep, I'd get up and uh, <laughs> go over and, and straighten the symbol wow. out and then come back to bed and sit there for a few minutes and just make sure, is it flat enough? Okay, I think it's flat enough. And then I'd go to sleep. Everything had to be level. Right? You know, yeah, you... but it was a part of my obsessive, you know. Yeah, a lot of times I call that OCD. It yeah. really yeah. is. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I mean, at the time it was cute. You know, when you get older, it's not yeah, so good. Exactly. <laughs> I all have a little bit of it. So. Are you kidding yeah, me? I got to retrace my steps right now, in fact. Right? You know? Um, but uh, again, 
like bands like that. And then we were lucky enough to go see, uh, my dad took me and my brother to go see Queen in 1978 for the jazz tour. Mm -hmm. And, you know, there has never been a moment, I don't think, you know, we saw Van Halen the year after, which is pretty fucking mind boggling. But when Freddie Mercury walks on stage in all black and just stands there with his hands on his hip and looking at the audience, it's, it's something otherworldly. It's not anything that you can ever really describe to another person. Chills. Yeah. It's just, it's only the people who saw it, when you said to them, they go, I was there. I saw that shit. And then they start playing fucking something that's just, you know, it just doesn't make sense, you know, to the, for the most part. It's like, that's happening. Those four guys are doing that right now. Mm -hmm. And it's just, you know, and then of course, now the the whole fascination with I got to buy the records I got to go find out when they're playing again and and it's you know it's this long life love affair with uh, uh, with music and so it was just for us I was just so blessed that we got to see music early on you know and then my mom took us me and my brother to see Randy Rhodes with Ozzy the the tour that he died wow and uh, and that was another one because then I learned fashion. You know, I learned that you had to have bangs a certain way. You had to wear capizios. You know, yeah, you, you had, could look cool too. You yep. know, that, that was a whole thing. Put that, it all together, and you know? you're a star, huh? And, and it's, it's funny because every now and again I'll bring up capizios, and guys my age and older go, "Oh yeah, I oh I was there." You remember that? Oh, and I your big toe yeah. always went through the yep. fucking yeah. front of it. <laughs> and you're looking, you're in the capizio store, and you're looking around, you're going, um, "Can I just get the shoes real right. fast?" Right. Capizios and crayons were. There was another brand called oh, that's crayons, right, crayons with that's the right. acrylic. Well, Dave soles. Roth wore crayons, right? And I went and bought some because of Dave Roth. And now keep, <laughs> keep in mind, Mick, I went to school in Boyle Heights, East LA, in nothing but gangs, and I used to wear my crayons with my heels, <laughs> with your clear heels. <laughs> yes, yes, yeah, I swear to God. And, and you also came to school as Gene Simmons. And, and what's funny is that, like, I think it was so bewildering to to the homeboys that they didn't know what to do. They just like looked at me like. Okay. They, they, yeah. They had no time to be angry. They right, were in right. shock. You know? <laughs> Which is always a good thing. Yeah, I know. So I went to class and sat down and did my job. Uh-huh. That's the way it has to be. But I'm, I keep thinking about that moment that you hit on where you're listening to all this great percussive music and it's funky mm. and it's and then something else happens. Somebody hits a big fucking A chord mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's as simple as can be. It's the most primeval thing in the world and it doesn't replace what you love, right. but it adds to it. It's a completely exactly. new dimension. Yeah. Right. And it's the same thing that happened to me with uh, Iron Butterfly. I'm listening to all of these pop records, Tommy James and Tommy Rowe and Sweet Pea and you know Crimson and Clover. And then Iron Butterfly comes in. And I'll freely admit that I memorized every note of that drum solo. My, oh, first, yeah. my first instrument was a drum practice pad. Was it? So I think I had that same percussive you know, adoration well, that you did. Well, you know, and I, I mean, you know, to, to kind of ping pong, but I remember the first early guitar solos you played to me were very percussive. I mean, you know, they're, they're melody driven, but I remember you had this thing that actually sounded, had like it had cadence to it. And I, and I always thought that like musicians who play other uh, instruments, if they can work that into their main instrument, they can really take some places. And I think that Jeff Beck's like that. Oh yeah, I think that there was some, you know, a Billy Gibbons is very kind of uh, uh, what he does to me is kind of beat ish. It's like he's the beat sometimes mm-hmm. more. You know, even though right. you know Frank is playing what he's playing, I feel like when I hear da 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 da, yeah, you know, I feel like I'm bobbing my head more to that than I am the drum line. He's got that yeah, you know what I mean. It's a whole other thing, and I and so I always love playing with guitar players who understand that rhythm process. You know, but you're right about the simplistic part of music because um, 
one of the, the bands, of course, that you know we both loved uh, was the Ramones. And I remember the first time I learned a Ramones song, I was like, that's it? Yeah. <laughs> All those years I was, and it was da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da-da. That's basically the gist of the song. And yet it sounds epic, you know, but it's so simple. Yeah. You know, and well, if you consider that he's doing all dance. Well, no, I mean, for me, it's not the, that I, simple. The, I mean, I, I, meant, I can never get that. I down. meant the actual choice of notes. Right. No, that the, right yeah, hand is working though. overtime. Oh, yeah, his right hand is It's no sick. joke. Yeah, three because, notes, three chords. But think about it. And, and they also play those things like eight BPMs faster yeah. live. Oh, yeah. Hell so yeah. they were like, and it was tight as a drum. So, yeah, yeah the, and the bass. Was 20 minutes. Yeah, I know. It's mm-hmm. great, you know. The drummer just started the beat and went through the entire set, and that was it. Yeah, yeah, those guys were it for me because they combined all those wonderful pop essences yes. with you know oh, that yeah. heavy rock thing, and yeah, the production is great. Just, yeah, you can't beat it. You know, other bands I know that you and I you know connected on were, and I remember one time we were sitting in uh, we were in rehearsal, and I asked Mick about something, I can't think of what it was, and then I said, "How about the band Sweet?" And then we, we we started playing something in, in rehearsal, and uh, I never yeah. I had never even attempted to play that song before. Right. You know, I knew it in my head. More you remember or less. what song? That's what it was. What song was it? It was. Uh, um, it was. Uh, 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 oh man, yeah, you can never Sweet think F-A. of the chorus. Sweet FA. Sweet yeah. FA. And and so I asked him, and he goes, "Oh yeah," and he went right into that ding 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 ding, and I went, "Hold on, hold on," and I jumped in. And, and again, these are bands that, you know, I really believe not, I'm not putting down other genres of music or other periods, time periods, but, you know, we listen to Sweet. And I think that gave us a, a, a leg up on a lot of yeah. musicians, you know. I think that if you can learn some of those songs and, you know, you get the insight on that, I mean, really, it changes your whole perspective on music. Mm-hmm. And uh, and that's why, you know, with the younger generation, and I know you probably work with young kids, and I work with, you know, I'll always ask them, have you heard of these bands? Mm-hmm. And they're like, no, I haven't. I'm like, well, please go out and buy this. And plus, it's good to support. But what you're going to hear in this is something that you have not heard before, and I guarantee it. And it's sweet important. in their harmonies too. Oh my Incredible. god! Yeah, the records are amazing. Yeah. Was, I mean, that's one of those records you put on from top to bottom. Yeah, it, totally. and yeah, I mean, it's just it's literally mind boggling to think about. You know, we used to cover a song called "No You Don't." Oh, I love that song. Uh-huh. So did Pat Benatar. Yeah, yeah. yeah. that's yeah. right. Yeah, great, great. Pat Benatar. It was Slade for me oh. when I was younger. Yeah, oh, really. Slade. They were a, li- a little bit ahead of Sweet. Were, were, they, were they considered glam? Yeah, I think yeah, they, they were one of the forefront glam the fans. Pants. So how did you feel when Quiet Riot did those tunes? Yeah. You know, at first, I didn't like it. I didn't Because I, I felt that nobody here in the States really knew who mm. Slade was. Yeah. For the it's most part. kind of like cheating. Like you didn't, kind of. You didn't yeah, see the, That's exactly how I felt like. Oh, and they did two covers. They did Come On, Feel the yeah, Noise. Exactly. Oh, yeah. And um, Mama, We're All Crazy. Yeah. Yeah. So I felt a little bit like, uh, I don't know, but... They did well with it, you know. Yeah, yeah. I, and looking I, back, they did a great job. So, well, of course, and I think that the you know the thing that I like to think happened was that um, they turned a bunch of fans on to 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 them. Correct. You know, you're right. The, the, who normally probably wouldn't have cared about Slade right. now go wait, who is this? Right. It's a band called Slade. Oh, let me go buy that. So, I, that, who? Yeah, that's I like to think happened. Yeah. I mean, who knows if that, you know? I mean, only, only the numbers would tell. But yeah, anytime that happens, I'm always the first to say, oh, you know, that's not their song. They cover that song and then they go, oh, who did it? This is the band that right. did it. Go listen Just to that open band. Open the door. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That yeah, has to be made clear. Totally. Mm-hmm. 
credit where credit is due. Absolutely. So then you grow up. Hmm? And Wait, have I? No, I haven't yet. I'm going I'm I'm, I'm going to do it one day. Eventually, yeah. yeah. I'm thinking ahead here. But um now you get to the point where you're Are you going to Beastie Boys shows? Oh, hell yeah. We we we, should, we got we saw their first time ever playing out here, which was really interesting. Um, Run DMC, I was a huge fan, of course, of hip hop in, in the mid 80s, like 80, 85. And let me let me interrupt you and say the reason I know that is because he had a black jacket with Beastie Boys <laughs> covering every square inch of the back. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, I, I had uh, I was a huge fan, and then I I love Run DMC because they had rock in their attitude, and I love that. And they had big hooks, and I thought, I love big hooks. So I went and I bought the records, and then uh, they were coming to town. And I remember somebody, uh, uh, somebody was talking about these three white kids out of out of Brooklyn that are rappers too. And I was like, can they do that? Can can, can white yeah, people? Yeah, is do that, that legal? Yeah, right. Because at the time, really, you only see no. black artists. <laughs> but at the time, yeah, you only right. see black artists, you know, doing it. So, anyways, um, we went and saw Run DMC, and, and they killed. It was it was really amazing. Okay, and then the lights go down, and then you hear. The, the first song to the Beastie Boy record, which which barely just came out. And I'm like, what? And it's it's the Levy Breaks. It's when the Levy Breaks. Uh, and I'm like, what the fuck? Did you have the record at this point? Yeah, we've got, okay. we've, we've got, uh, we, there was a, um, a store that you can go and you can pre-order it and you get it from overseas. Oh, yeah. It early. was in Downey. Oh, I can't think of the name of it right now. Did Jeff Dan- Def Jam have a, an overseas deal, or well, was it no. Illegal? This guy knew how to get him, so you would get him with with the actual with like Japan in, in Japanese writing. You would get them in like a, they were printed there first, like yeah. an import. Yeah, it was. It was. It was an import. So, exactly right. what it was. Wow. Yeah. Um, so then here, here they come. The Beastie Boys come out and do three songs right there. You know, at the end of the Run DMC set, and it's fucking. It's like it's a combination of punk rock. It's it's rock for sure. And it's this hip hop thing, and it was just so like like again like with Queen and the other things, it was this new thing that I never knew existed. And then here it is, it's like right there. These three young kids are just fucking just. It's just it's insane. With a turntable. Yeah, right. with a turntable. Yeah, because the, the, they they eventually yeah. took themselves out as a band, yeah, yeah, right? Yeah, they were one of the few bands that I know that actually changed the, the direction of their music more or less, and and built an even bigger fan base. Mm-hmm. Where most people that change the direction and get a lot of oh no, we like the first record, yeah. don't do that. So they did that. Yeah, uh, the first two records, which was License to Ill and uh, Paul's Boutique, were just with them DJ. They played you know they played some stuff in a video, but it was it was all you know the, it was all pre recorded. The third record is when they actually started playing their own stuff, and then and they yeah. were like they were they t- they took lessons. They right. went and they did it right. They actually sat with with actual musicians and learned how to play music, and and they knew how to play music before because they were a punk band, right? But not to the level they were playing later on. They were mm-hmm. playing like right. real progressive stuff. Well, so, I admire that. I mean, one of the things I don't care for about that kind of music is the fact that it, very little of it's being played. I mean, samples are great, and I'm you know, I, let's just consider it a different discipline. 
Let's not call them musicians. Right. I, I, I believe that. I think that, you know, when a guy's in there creating beats and, and these different sounds and textures, but then the guy tells a great story and, and has, you know, that to me, the, the guy's rapping. You know, the guy produced some music for the guy that's rapping. You know, I don't consider that music like the guy, you know. But then again, you know, I know that some of these guys are creating some of the stuff from scratch as well, too. So they're yeah. in there with actually MIDI. They're actually with keyboards and stuff, and they actually have drummers, live drummers for the most part. Mm -hmm. I, nowadays, they, they double. They yeah, the, the sequence and the programs, and they have live drummers. And but. I appreciate the talents. I mean, that's yeah. that's not to say anything. You know, it's definitely a skill. Yeah, absolutely. Right, exactly. And like learning this. Right. right, and so let's let's appreciate right. it, but yeah. let's you know, there's a separation. There. Make a delineation yeah. there. Exactly. So now that leads to. NWA, you're into some pretty hardcore stuff back yeah. then. Yeah. Well, at the time, you know, we were all it was just it was all happening so fast. I mean, the hip hop movement was just, you know, for a while you had like, you know, uh, Houdini and you had all these these bands out of New York who were coming in and the Furious Five and you had, you know, uh, Curtis Blow and you had these guys. They were all low key guys. And then once Run DMC and the Beastie Boys came out, that spurred like Public Enemy and Ice T and like you said NWA. That was all local guys. You know, it was like like rock and roll. I would imagine it was like or punk. You know, exactly. where like you, anybody can do this. Yeah, and exactly. I'm gonna so do it's it like too. now it's just like they're popping up. You know, yeah. like, like Starbucks. You right. know, right. <laughs> every ten feet there's somebody that's doing Lightning it. Lightning trucks. Exactly. Mm -hmm. right. So and and it and it got it got good. It got violent because I remember going to shows like there was a K Day show out at Irvine Meadows that a, a fight broke out in the parking lot before the show started. Yeah. And, and and you heard pop 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 pop, and I was like, that's it. No rap yeah, shows for me. Yeah, you see that trouble. Yeah, I, I was done. Yeah. And then, lo and behold, of course, you know, then you started getting seeing guys die in yeah. the hip hop movement. It was like, what the hell? Yeah. Is, do they realize this is music? Right. I mean, we're just trying to have a good time and, and get laid. And, you know, these people are fucking dying. And now it's shit, East right? Coast versus West yeah, Coast. It, and, it was, yeah. I'm telling you, that stuff got so crazy so fast. And I just thought, you know, I, I don't want to go see the shows anymore. And then uh, it immediately went from that to what a friend of mine coined, or I don't know where he heard it from, maybe. He called it glam rap. Because then rap became all shiny sequency and it, it became like this watered down, this formula. Mm -hmm. You know, somebody had the formula like they did with us in rock. Yeah. Somebody figured out right. so many beats per minute. Here are the keys and the chords that people, act, you know, uh, uh, right. enjoy the most. Oh, yeah. That's like that video you played last week. That <laughs> <laughs> had all the different songs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I thought you were yeah. saying. No, no, no. In, in, no. His real, in his real life. No, no, no. Everything you no, do no. There's everything's. Not everything. What, I'm, what am I saying? I'm not generalizing here, but there are definitely algorithmic oh, yeah, there, songs. No, no. There's a guy that did a, a study on this. Yeah. And he talks and he shows the chord and, and, and the beat that actually people like to dance to the most. Right. It's a whole it's process. It's a science. Yeah, yeah. It really. It's As opposed to an art. Yeah. Exactly. So in hip hop, they did that with that. And I remember that's when I was like, that was it. I was done. After pub I think after Public Enemy and Ice T, I was like, I think I'm out. Yeah. It, just, it, it started to get too syrupy and I didn't like that. But, yeah. Vanilla yeah. Ice. Exactly. That, that yeah. Whole. All that. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, and the first time you hear like, I played that for Mitch, and, and at first he was pissed off, and after a while he goes, he goes, wait, hold on, wait, I think I like this. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but that's the first time. That's the first and only time you hear that, right? right. Like everything, right. every time there's like a <laughs> after that is just like, oh my god, stop repeating. I, I love it personally. Yeah, but know. you know, it, I think like okay, you'll 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 get this, like Zappa. 
you know, or, or Captain Beefheart. You know, there's stuff that's happening there that, that can easily be, you know, like, I this is making me fucking crazy. Yeah. I, I, stop it. Stop yeah, it. You exactly. know, and, and, nope, they're going to keep this uh. group going until you fucking leave the room. <laughs> and then and think of a more annoying part Exactly. Of exactly. Yeah. Come out and bring that. You yeah. know? And, and uh, so I think that, uh, like, like Mr. Bungle, we were around, like, you know, Bungle came out and then they, then uh, Mike joined. Um, Faith No More, and that he went back to Bungle, and we got the record. I remember listening to the record on the back of the bus, and just being like, "Like these guys are literally out of their fucking minds." I mean, there are moments of, of that of the song where, where you hear someone taking a dump. You just hear like you hear the water running in the bathroom, yeah. and you're, uh, 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 yeah. yeah, and just and then you know, it's just it's fucking like. Chaos Back part. to a forty-five right. second sample of a train. Right. Exactly. Well, oh, fuck this. Get out of here. It's like you know, huh? and I'm sure somebody would listen to that and go, "What the fuck is this? Yeah. This is stupid." Totally. No, we loved it at the time. It was it was such a breath of fresh air yeah, when you had fun. so many. You know, nothing against the '80s guys, but there were so many guys just phoning it in, and it was just like, "Dude, come on!" And know? that's the end yeah. result of all that. Just like the end result exactly. of Emerson, Lake and Palmer, and Led Zeppelin is right. just Sex Pistols. Right. I mean, it's. It's just kind of the way it goes. Every genre had the end of the era where it ended up like right, yeah, right, right. Sequins or sparkly and watered down or right. overproduced or yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. There's nothing like like uh, uh, getting the first uh, Billy Squire record and then seeing that last video that he yeah. did. They, the, the, that's about as far from me as you can. Yeah, go. yeah. You're digging the guitar tones oh, the, and the, right. songs the, and the vocals it's like, are great. It's a one man band, Led Zeppelin. Yeah, you know, totally. got the, one of the best drummers ever. Who unfortunately just passed away. I just found out. I didn't know that. Oh no, Bobby. Yeah, I know he passed away. Someone just told me that. But that first record, fucking, it's Led Zeppelin. And then that last thing with him dancing in the pink tutu and everything. Yeah, I yeah. just, I, I was like, yeah. how yeah. do we get so far from, right. the, you know, where we were at? You know, you look at some of the old videos. Um, Steve Marriott, Humble Pie. Oh, forget about it. Ampeg amps, all of them. Mm-hmm. Guitars, straight in. Oh, yeah. Nothing yeah. in between. I love it. And a drum kit. Yeah, I love it. That was it. Yeah. Same with ACDC. I mean, you know, we can talk about bands all the live long day, but there's very few bands that, that can do what ACDC does. And, and it's with not pyro, and it's not with fucking, yep. you know, a, a bunch of fucking uh, arpeggio scales. It's not fucking pedal galore. It's not anything. It's just, it's just the most basic fundamental of what man is. Right. Yeah, and the recipes just, never change. It's and just, you know. How many bands to this day can sell out stadiums? No, it's just ACDC. You know, you know, but, still do that. but the thing is that I remember, you know, talking, you know, because Mick and I used to have a, a lot of, you know, conversations about music back in the day when we were on the bus. And, uh, and I remember one of the things that was really important and, and I, you know, I really didn't ever put as much weight onto it after this until after this conversation, which was lyric content. And Mick was like, listen to what he's saying. L- listen to this l- lyric and this song. And I, and I was like, what is he saying? And he told me and I was like, that's what he's saying? The whole all these years I thought it was this, and it's, it right. was one of the most brilliant fucking lyrics in the history of music. I mean, of course I can't remember right now because we were drunk at the time, but I remember after that listening to all the lyrics and he's right. saying going, "Holy shit!" And I remember we had an argument one time, and I remember this was so funny. <laughs> so, look, I, I grew up, you know, I, I kind of missed the the, uh, the first half of ACDC. I got the last record, and then of course then then we lost them. We lost Bond, and then I got of course Back in Black, and I was like, "Yay!" So for a lot of years, I kept saying that Back in Black was one of the best records ever. And then I said it to Mick one time, and he goes, whoa, 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 <laughs> wait a minute. He goes, what? And I said, Back in Black is ACDC's best record. And he goes, 
okay, Jimmy, hold on. We, we, we got to have a talk, seriously. And I was, and literally, I mean, it was like a personal thing to him. Like I, yeah. I like I spit on his shoe. <laughs> and then he goes, first of all, he goes, have you listened to these? And I'm like, I don't think I have that record. And he's like, okay, go buy these records, listen to them, and then we'll talk. Power Age, Highway to Hell. Oh my God. Right. And of course, of course, I did it. And then I, I'm like, oh my God, I can't believe I said that. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I can't and, believe and, I said and that. And nothing against those guys. No. But Bond had something that oh. was so visceral. I just yeah. love that word. I've used it about eight times today. But, you know, and and humorous at the same time. Like, you you guys have both met somebody who just doesn't seem to have a sense of humor. Mm-hmm. And you, it makes me uncomfortable, yeah. you know. I, I don't know really how to deal with people that, that don't have that. But Bond laughed at himself. Oh. He laughed at life. You know, as he's broke and he's he's on his sailing boat, but he doesn't have any gasoline. Right. I mean, that might go over someone else's head, but to me, it, <laughs> that's fucking gold. Oh yeah. You know, uh, somebody um, said that uh, between him and Chuck Berry, which I never knew, uh, are the best lyricists ever. Have you ever uh, listened to Chuck Berry's music or listened to the lyric content? Uh, not. Do it one day. Yeah, it's, it's pretty nuanced. It, it's, yeah. I'm telling you, it's it's a movie happening. If you listen to it, you're seeing <laughs> an actual movie happening right, yeah. with Chuck Bear. I did it one time because someone told me to do that. And I'm mm-hmm. like, oh my God, this is, I can oh. see what he's talking about. You I don't know? need to do that. Other than my ding-a-ling. I don't think <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you know. But Bond, you're right about Bond, though. Bond had a creative way. Oh, yeah. Sense of humor he and was style just... And his crooked smile. Right. Um, right. And he wasn't taking any of it seriously, no. whereas this new guy with Back in Black, I mean, he's... You know, well, I think he also, means it when it's like but, I shook me all night long. But no, you know, dude, you're not I, I supposed felt, to you know, mean you that. have to feel a little bad for him because you have to know that he knew that he was never going to fill those shoes. Yeah, you're right. You know, I mean, so that had to, you know, somehow manifest itself in his whatever he does. Yeah. You know, because I know if I mm. came in after Bond, I'd be like, Fuck, are you kidding me? Yeah. I, mean, I want the gig and I want it. But, dude, I mean. Yeah, he's right. the first guy to, to know that, right? First Absolutely, guy to admit it. Absolutely, man. Every and he did the best he could and came up with the well. biggest record yeah. ever. Yeah, 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 they you did know? well. Yeah. You can't and, deny and, that. And, and of course, and it was, you know, it was what the band needed to move on. That's, yeah. That was important that, that that band move forward. Yeah, and those and guys deserved that. Yeah, Not because, too many bands could well, think lose somebody like Bon Scott, replace him, I mean, which think, is impossible, th- like I and said, succeed. Right. Yeah. Against you know, all odds. Yeah. I mean, I, anytime I think of that, I always think about Jimmy Page looking at Robert Plant and them saying, no, yeah. no. We're, what, we're, yeah, what a tough decision. What, what are you talking about? No, we're not moving forward on this. Yeah. This is this is it. This is and you know there's a cadre of people going, you guys, oh. please listen oh. to me. Yeah. Please you look at that. this money. Yeah. Look at these numbers, yeah. please, you guys. Yeah, you know that. No, we can't. Yeah. Yeah, they just know it because it wouldn't be anything that people would, at some point, they look at each other and go, we don't mean this. Yeah. We really don't mean this. I mean, right. we're, we're doing it because of the money, really. Yeah. That's what it boils down to at right. some point. And, you know, who wants to do that? And don't get me wrong. I mean, when you don't have money, you'll do anything for money. Yeah. But, you know, I'm fairly certain they were pretty okay financially. So it wasn't about that for them, I think. At yeah. Least, you know? I think it was the right decision. They did the right thing. Yeah, yeah I think yeah. so. Yeah. Okay. Well, let's take a little break. And I think we got some music in, and we'll move on to something else. You're experiencing Scratchcast with Mick Sueda and Craig Pepe. Look for Scratchcast on SoundCloud and our Facebook pages, and tell your friends. 